Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Katie Up, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Monday, March 8, 2021, and today we're reading from the big book, chapter three, and we're on page 42, the second paragraph. Then they outline the spiritual answer. Today's readers are, and thank you for your service, for the 12 steps, Lindsay W., 12 traditions, Nancy C., and reading the text are Crystal P. and Marge O. Our backup is Becca R. The newcomer greeter is Ken W.H. And the host of the second hour is Russ M. Okay, the reference number for Sunday, March 7th, 2021, is 16,354. That's 1635. Let me say that again. 16,534, that's 16534. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Lindsay W. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, this is Lindsay W. I'm a compulsive overeater from Houston, Texas. The 12 Steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible except when to do so would injure them or others. 10, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, We tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thanks, and I pass. 
Thank you, Lindsay W. And I will now ask Nancy C. to read the 12 traditions. Good morning, everyone. Nancy C. from Ann Arbor, Michigan, a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for letting me serve and I pass. Thank you, Nancy C. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our absence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no absence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. And today we resume our study of the big book. We're on page 42, the second paragraph in the chapter more about alcoholism. And um, I will ask Crystal P. to begin reading. Hi, good morning. This is uh, Crystal P., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Toronto, Canada. Then they outlined the spiritual answer and program of action, which a hundred of them had followed successfully. Though I had been only a nominal churchman, their proposals were not intellectually hard to swallow. But the program of action though entirely sensible, was pretty drastic. It meant I would have to throw away several lifelong conceptions out the window. That was not easy. But the moment I made up my mind to go through the process, I had the curious feeling that my alcoholic condition was, re- was relieved, as in fact it proved to be. Good morning, uh, Crystal P., um, compulsive overeater, uh, recovered in Toronto, Canada. 
I think what stands out to me first here is I remember when I first came in, this line where it said a hundred of them had followed this successfully. I really clung to that line because um, especially as I was working the steps in the beginning, I always had this nagging feeling in my mind that this would work for everybody else. You're putting in all this work, you're doing all of this uh, you know, stuff that you don't want to do and it's just not going to work for you. Why bother? You know, um, anytime I had one food thought, anytime, you know, um, I, I went over uh, to a, a friend's place and, and I looked at the food with longing in any way, it was just like, oh no, look, the program's not working for you. Or anytime a character defect comes up and it's not already been taken away, immediately the thought is, you know, oh no, it's not working for you. It's not going to work for you. You're going to get to step nine and you're going to be the one person that the promises don't happen for. God will not do for you what God is willing to do for everybody else. And I just, I don't know why, but I had that nagging feeling constantly. And whenever I had that, I would cling to these lines in the big book that said it worked for hundreds of people. And I would remember that from the 1930s, you know, millions of people with so, from so many different backgrounds, so many different types of addictions, have all recovered using these exact same steps, these exact same instructions, this exact same connection to God. And if it happened for them, it will happen for me because I'm just not that special. Why do I think I am just so unique and so special that it worked for millions of others but not me? You know, um, and, and that thought really helped me get through uh, the beginning. And, and especially, um, I love this line about, you know, needing to throw away lifelong conceptions out, out the window. And for me, that's a continuous journey. Like when I, um, when I first came in, none of the actions I was asked to do were hard, um, like physically hard. I mean, I'm a capable, smart, you know, human being. I'm able to take the actions my sponsors asked me to take in this one day. Nothing I was asked to do was, was you know, impossible or difficult. But what makes it so hard for me is what goes on in my head as I'm doing them. All the lies, all the old ideas that just seem to get in the way constantly and tell me things that are contrary to reality. That's what makes taking the action so hard for me. Like I had lies like, especially in the beginning, you know, um, I can't do things I don't want to do. I'm just not capable of doing things if I don't want to do them. I really believe that. I really believed that my intentions are just as good as my actions. I really believe that I should, like, I should be excused. Like it's required of everybody else. But I am just a special case that should be excused. At least, some, at least when, I, when I think I should be excused, when I don't want to do something. And these are, these are lifelong conceptions that, that I carried with me in every relationship, every job, and I brought it into program as well, and they just don't work here. And I had to throw them out Time, the window. Thank you. And just take the actions. And the moment I started to do that is when I started to act my way into right thinking and recover. Thanks for letting me share it, Pat. Well, thank you for getting us started, Crystal. We're on page 42, the second paragraph. Um, and although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your shares to every third day. So if you shared last Thursday or Friday, please hold back in order that others might share their experience. Who would like to share? Katie G. from Boston. Danielle O. from New York. Rick J. Rick J. Anita L. Anita L. 
and take a few more. Barbara E. from New Jersey. Barbara E. Deborah S. Deborah S. Lane C. Lane C. Okay, let's stop there. So I have Katie G., Danielle O., Rick J., Anita L., Barbara E., Deborah S., and Lane C. Go ahead, please, Katie. Good morning, Katie. Thanks for taking the meeting. Good morning, everyone. Katie G., Recovered Compulsive Eater in Boston. Yeah, I mean, I just want to hone in on throwing several lifelong conceptions out the window. You know, I think the most important thing that I know is that what I know is what's killing me. Um, You know, it's not what I don't know. Um, And I just encourage everyone to think about what their lifelong conceptions are some that I hear in our in OA are that I thought are I need to get back to where I was before I relapsed, which is such a confusing thing because as one of my elders said to me, why would you want to go back to what brought you to where you are now? I need a new experience with the steps. I need a new experience with God. Or how about my sponsor said it wasn't a break, so we're not going back to step one. I got to let you know that for me, when I picked up the food ingredients or behaviors, it didn't matter what anyone else said, because at the end of the day, I was on step one. Whether I was willing to do the work or not, that was the question, right? And so for me today, you know, what are the things I know? Step three in the AA 12 and 12 talks about my intelligence can rightly control my inner life and guarantee my own success. You know, I, it was so challenging. I had to be so brutalized and beaten down. My ego was so big. I know some of you are really shocked by that. The I know guy and KDG was so strong, right, that I had to be beaten down into a state of reasonableness. And the only thing that I said was, I don't know. I don't know. You know what? My exercise is killing me. It makes no cognitive sense to me because exercise is a good thing. But I can't stop. And I can't stop from starting again. Once I'm stopped, I can't stay stopped. But it's making me crazy. And so the things that I know are the problem. And I just absolutely love because it is my experience today as a recovered woman that the only problem is when I say I know. Who am I? Who am I to know? I really don't. And when there's an answer, and the answer is, guess who that's not? That's not God. When the answer to a yes or no question is, that's not God, right? Are you abstinent? Thank God, yes, right? Are you working your steps? Thank God, yes. Anything else, you know, God is a quiet, still, small, simple voice. So please, God, you know, as a member of this beautiful Overeaters Anonymous, may I continue to throw away the lifelong conceptions that have anything to do with me and just get to God through these steps. And with that, I pass. Thank you, KDG. Okay, Danielle O, you're up, followed by Rick J. Good morning, everyone. My name is Danielle O from uh, New York. So there's two important pieces that I felt like really stood out to me here, and it talked right in the very first sentence, spiritual answer and program of action. You know, it didn't talk about some type of therapy that I had to go through or inaction. 
And thank God those first or those 100 people that followed were successful. Because if they weren't successful, then I wouldn't be here today. And that's that's really what I face. And and of course the lifelong perceptions or conceptions were were part of this. You know, I I I I always prided myself prior to coming to uh, to this time in OA is that I I I, I wasn't a relapser. And then there was something in my mind that said I I just need to um I just need a break. That was what it was. I I just want to take a break from all this. It's just constantly a a problem or an issue that I always have to deal with and and I just got frustrated and I ended up back out for a while and I'm glad that you know when I came back that there were some people in place and you know the hundreds have now turned into millions so anywhere I went as long as I stayed close to the program of recovery of Overeaters Anonymous and and you know stay close to the people who are working this program then I won't hear the messages of people saying it's okay just try this one time it's good for you it's healthy it's all right and it's and many times in my day I have to say no thank you I have already eaten or I've already done what I need to do to take care of myself no thank you so you know these are things that I I come against every day but that's okay because I still have a network of people that that are are working this program and who believe in taking the actions to stay abstinent and for that I'm grateful. Thank you. Thank you, Danielle D and Rick J. You're up, followed by Anita L. Uh, good morning, everyone. My name is Rick J. Um, I am a uh, recovered compulsive overeater in Cary, North Carolina, but I am not cured and. Um, that was pointed out to me by a dear friend of mine when uh, by working the program of Rick, which was pretty easy, um, I ended up, um, you know, sponsoring people on days I wasn't binge eating. That's that's how working the program uh, my way led me to um, a place of complete insanity and desperation. But that was a gift, the gift of desperation. Um you know, I've, I've been around 12-step programs for a long time. Um, I've been working the steps. Uh, I, I didn't take a drink for years. Uh, I haven't taken a drink for over 30 years, right? And and there was a part of me that believed that I could get by with with doing the level of of work um, in, you know, intensity in Overeaters Anonymous that I did in Alcoholics Anonymous. I'm just here to say that that did not work for me. And I tried, believe me, I tried for 20 years to do it my way. And the spiritual answer and and program of action that's outlined, for me, it's the program of action has to be worked thoroughly to be successful. That's where the spiritual answer is. That's where that connection with the higher power is needs to be strong enough to keep me away from the obsession of the mind for me to have a complete shift in my thinking but i was always doing it my way i would just customize the steps just a little bit tweak them so actually i wasn't really doing it the way you did to be successful so i would i would uh do some prayer meditation on on most days um, I would uh, I would talk to people about sponsorship, but I really wouldn't dive in and be a sponsor and carry the message. 
and quite frankly, I really didn't have a, a message to carry as I proved ultimately by being in the food and trying to sponsor people and and my sick brain telling me that that was okay. And someone confronted me about that <laughs> who who knows me and cares about me and told me I can't do that anymore. I have to get recovered. Stop sponsoring people. Get a recovered sponsor. Work through the steps. Work them thoroughly every day, thoroughly. So that's what I had to do. And this program of action is pretty drastic to do that, but it's the only way into recovery. It's the only way for me to affect a spiritual change so efficient enough for me to live life centered in God and not centered in Rick, which was what I was doing for years. So I'm very grateful to be absent today. Thank you, everyone. With that, I pass. Thank you so much, Rick. Okay, Anita L., you're up, followed by Barbara E. Good morning, everybody. This is Anita L. from outside of Philadelphia. So grateful to be here today and to be able to share a message of hope um, because I'm living in this solution for today. Uh, Originally, when I wanted to share, I wanted to take the line, um, but the program of action, though entirely sensible, was pretty drastic. So that was my main focus that I wanted to have. And then I just started looking at the paragraph again. In this first line, then they outline the spiritual answer, the spiritual answer and program of action, which I need to take to get to that point of having a spiritual answer live within me and to change me to become the woman who I always wanted to be. And I can tell you that today I feel like I am living that. It's incredible. It's just, it's a miracle. And this is the gift that we are promised. You know, um, I just shared with somebody who's new to the program yesterday that the big book doesn't say that I'm going to lose all my weight. It doesn't say if you're an alcoholic, you're going to be sober. It does say that I will come to know inner peace and serenity, you know, and all the other beautiful things. And And most importantly, the obsession of food will be lifted or, you know, the obsession will be lifted so that I can be of maximum service to others. And why? So that I can carry the message that this program works. If I work the 12 steps every day, and, you know, I thought I was doing that before. However, last April, the woman who I asked to sponsor me helped to show me once I, you know, finish 10, step 10, okay, now it's your responsibility to do a step 10 daily. And I've been doing that every day, every day since it was suggested to me. And and then I, because of doing that, I said, you know, I feel like I really want to increase my spiritual meditation. And I, she sent me something so that, 
the following day I did a workshop on it and and that's the answer doing prayer and meditation daily daily having that commitment that responsibility and you know it didn't happen immediately slowly I've been transformed and I feel I feel just so incredibly filled with God's love today. So I I send that message of hope to you because I am a woman who has relapsed many, many times. And I kept coming back. Sure. I kept coming back. And look where I am today, filled with God's love. So that's what I have to share. Thank you. Have a beautiful day. Thank you, Anita L. Okay, Barbara E., you're up, followed by Deborah S. Good morning, my sisters and brothers. So happy to be with you on today. What is it, March 8th? Getting close to, um, oh my gosh, spring, I hope. Well, my, my tale today is sort of a cautionary tale because I've been in OA for 24 years and I have been blessed with abstinence. And I read the book. I followed the book. I learned the book. I thought I took everything in the book into my heart. But I failed to enlarge my spiritual life. I kind of got sloppy with step 10, 11, and 12. I did not feel that I was being entirely free of selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. And where did that get me? Little by slowly, teaspoon by teaspoon, I started to relapse. Nothing big, mind you, my mind said. It wasn't anything that wasn't on your abstinent food plan. Yes, it was more than you should have. But it wasn't one of your abstinence. My disease lies to me constantly. And I have to be aware that I can't take the weekends off because my disease doesn't. I have to seek out God, my God, that is, and surrender every single day because I need his, her, its power to help me get through the day. Someone said yesterday, no one food, no food tastes as good as God makes me feel. A little riff on what we used to hear. I used to hear my most important thing in my life is being abstinent. Just not true for me. So I have to pick up the spiritual toolkit, remind myself that step 10, 11, and 12 Well, 12 I've never given up on, but 10 and 11 are so important to my mental health and well-being. And to go back and reread the doctor's opinion and read it through new eyes and know that just like that person who was sat on his laurels or that thrill seeker who wanted to see if he could get away with just an extra bit or bite, and maybe it wouldn't hurt him so much. I have to be honest every single day where those beautiful step 10 promises will cease to be coming true to me. And I don't want them to be. So I have to do everything I can to be placed 
back into that position of neutrality, safe and protected. And I can do it. I know I can because I've got God on my side protecting me. And that's a miracle I never thought I would say. You'd never hear come out of my mind. But if I want to get over those character defects that are burdening me, and if I want to get back to being totally free of the little extra teaspoon, the one extra grape, the things that were making me crazy, I have to do whatever's asked for me, of me, gratefully, willingly, and not saying, oh, yeah, but, or it's been so long. Am I not entitled? No, I'm simply not. Remember, no food for me tastes as good as God heals. And I have to continue, continue to unblock myself to bring myself closer to God. I need that roto-rooter to unblock myself continually. I need to find that better connection with my God of my understanding. And then when I start to hear the static coming in on the phone or my computer, I know that I have to reach out and call the tech man, my God, and say, please, I need you. And then turn to someone else and get, make an outreach Time call please. and ask how they are doing. Thank you. Thank you. I pass. Thank you, Barbara E. And Deborah S., you're up, followed by Lane C. Hi, good morning, everyone, and thank you all that makes this meeting possible. My name is Deborah S., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from New Jersey. And, you know, that line, it meant I would have to throw several lifelong conceptions out the window. Goodness, what are my lifelong um, conceptions? You know, growing up as a fat kid and growing into a, a, a teenager and, you know, it was always in my mind that if only, you know, if I'd be thin, the world would be, it would be so much better for me. My life would be so much easier if I was thin. It always, everything, all roads always led back to being in a thin body. And I really believe that, that if only I could lose this weight, then everything would be perfect. I get the good grades. I get the perfect husband, I have the good children, I have the perfect job. Everything would happen if I'd be thin. So coming into this program and getting into a thin body, that's great, you know, but, it, but it's not true. It didn't happen, you know. It, I had to do a lot of work here, and that conception, you know, um, had to get thrown out the window um, because, yes, God is good, and I get everything I need from God, but I have to work. I have to develop a relationship with God to see, to, 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 to develop into that person um, that God wants me to be. And I am a good person. You know, even when I was eating and I was overweight, I was still that, I was a good person. God created me in his image. Um, but my thought was that I was just not good enough. It was not good enough. And, um, and you know, being in recovery, I know. Being recovered, I know that my self-worth comes not from others and not being in a thin body and not doing what everyone else is doing, but to serve God in the way, you know, having a relationing with God and have, serving in the way that God wants you to be. 
you know, with other people, with patience, tolerance, kindness, and love, to get out of myself, to be of service to others, um, to grow, to grow towards him, to seek his will, to pause throughout the day, you know, to, to constantly being, you know, looking outward of myself. Um, and, you know, no matter what is going on, I am enough. I am good enough. It doesn't require me to, you know, to, to be in that thin body so that I'm, you know, then, that, then God's going to love me and then everyone around me is going to love me. You know, that's the conception that I thought. And today I know as long as I'm striving and walking with God, you know, I am enough. I am good enough and I have everything that I need. And that's, that's, my, that's what I, I strive for each day, to be constantly remembering that there is a God in my life and I'm not it and that's who I need. And God is the, the power that I need to, to work for. Um, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you so much for letting me share. Thank you, Deborah S. And Lane C., you're up, and then we'll open it up for more shares on the second paragraph of page 42. Well, good morning, uh, Katie. Thank you so much for your service. This is uh, Lane T., a recovered compulsive overeater from Rochester, New York. Um, and I look at this, I look at this paragraph, and a lot of what I see is a path towards growth and um, some hope. You know, um, the hope about, you know, the moment that I made up my mind to go through with the process, I had the curious feeling that my alcoholic condition was relieved, as in fact it proved to be. Um, you know, for me, I, I certainly had that sensation after I took a really deep uh, first step, after I was really in touch with the hopelessness of this disease, with the hopelessness of my condition, when I knew for real that I did not have control over the food, because I, I had also been in this program, you know, negotiating with the food and trying to figure out ways that I could still uh, do X, Y, and Z or eat X, Y, and Z or be an X, Y, and Z mode of, of behaviors. Um, and I wasn't really, um, you know, I wasn't really in that place yet of hopelessness, but, but, you know, relapse certainly brought me there. The food certainly brought me there. Um, and one of the things I just wonder about is, you know, as I look back at some of my past conceptions, my lifelong conceptions, like, can I actually have compassion for the ways that they got me here? And can I have compassion for the ways that so many of my like survival mechanisms and the ways that I, you know, what I needed to do to, to get to this point or what brought me to this point. And granted, I've had to, you know, grow past them. Uh, this step process, if you're doing it at a deep level, is going to have you grow and shift. And, my, you know, my perceptions have certainly grown um, and have certainly shifted. Um, and, you know, for me, one of them was, you know, though I had been only a nominal churchman, their proposals were not intellectually hard to swallow. I mean, for me, I'm very much dedicated to my church, but I had to come into this program to really get into my relationship, deeper relationship uh, with my higher power and take these actions to get into deep relationship and to move into God reliance. Um, you know, um, so for me today, I mean, some of what feels important is is both to be able to take these steps, to take these actions, to keep growing, to keep going deeper, and also to have compassion for where I've been, to know that like those conceptions got me to a certain point. They can't carry me through for the rest of my life, but they got me to a certain point. Uh, those fears, those character defects, those pieces that I developed in my life were just what I had to develop to be able to, to grow and to get to this point. 
and that, you know, honestly, the higher power that I believe in wouldn't have me be any other way. Um, and so I really appreciate all that's been shared and um, especially really appreciate this piece about where we've been in our weight and our size and where, you know, where we go and where we are now. I feel like so often, you know, fat hatred and fat phobia tells me that I'm in the wrong body. Um, and really, you know, so much of this is about um, acceptance and growth. Um, and so I really appreciate it, everything that everyone shared and I'm grateful to be here. Thank you so much. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Lane. Okay, so um, we're on page 42, the second paragraph. Um, then they outline the spiritual answer. And although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your shares to every third day. So who would like to share? Lisa B. Lisa B. Jen A. Tina S. Nessa R. Okay, Nessa R. And Jen A. Okay, I think I heard Lisa B., did I hear Tina S? Hi. Nessa? My name is Lisa, Lisa B. Yes. yes. Okay, wait a second. I'm not ready for you. Oh, I'm so <laughs> Lisa, sorry. I, I messed up my phone. Thank you. That's okay. Okay, so Lisa B, Tina S, Nessa R, Jen A. Is there anyone else? We have time for a few more. Barbara P. Barbara P. And who was the other one? Noreen D. Noreen D. Okay, let's stop there. I think that should work out fine. Um, Lisa B, Tina S, Nessa R, Jen A, Barbara P, and Noreen D. Go ahead, please, Lisa B, with an E. Hi, my name is Lisa B. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina. I'm so sorry. I was turning my headset off, and then I, I couldn't hear, and I thought maybe you called me. But I love this reading, and there's a few things that come to my mind. The first one is when I went to the treatment center because I could not stop binge eating. I thought the food plan was recovery. I thought if I follow the food plan and am abstinent, I'm recovered. And I know, I really do believe they talked about the 12 steps in the big book, but I don't know where my head was, you know. I think that I just wasn't ready and able to hear it. Um, I was so immature in the program. I also thought that, like, you guys need to do this stuff, that I'm different. And even when I came to this wonderful OA meeting, which I'm so grateful that I was uh, led to it, you know, I believe my higher power is talking to me all the time, all through the day. But it's like only every so often a little crack is there, and I'm able to hear it. And that day I heard someone say to me, you know, I think you would love this, this phone meeting. And when I met my sponsor, you know, even then, I saw how hard she worked. You know, I knew she had other sponsees. I saw how much time she put in with me and she shared with me how she worked her food plan and the tools and, and the steps. Um, but even then I thought, you know, that's for her. That's not for me. I, I'm not as bad as her. And, and then when I got to the 10th step, I thought, I'm not going to need, there was no way I'm going to need to do that. And then sure enough, you know, I had a disagreement with someone and I almost ate and I saw, I saw, I really began to see them. It's like the shackles from my eyes fell off and I saw that I am just like her. I'm like all of you, you know, and then I thought about the line in the big book in the second, the forward to the second edition that talks about having permanent recovery. And then I began to understand why relapse is such a common thing. And we've come to believe that it's a rite of passage and now I know I don't have to have relapse, but I need to keep talking to my fellows. 
and learning. I keep learning from you. I learn from the mistakes that my sponsor made. She shared with me how she relapsed, what happened. And I don't want to have to go through that. You know, I need to stay close to the program when I think, oh, I need to pull away and not sponsor. I need to rest more. You know, I need to do this or do that more with my family and not so much program stuff. That That's very um, dangerous for me. You know, I do struggle sometimes with balance, but I, I um, have to keep talking about it with fellows and staying in my steps every day. And the denial, the minimizing, the rationalizing, it all comes back, you know, no matter how long I'm recovered. So I'm so glad to be here and for all of you. With that, I pass. Thank you, Lisa. Okay, Tina S., you're up, followed by Nessa R. Thanks so much, Katie, for your service. Tina S., recovered compulsive eater, anorexic in Florida. Uh, wow, heard some really, really great things this morning and just really affirms and confirms when I'm on the line in, in this particular meeting and, and others that, you know, I really belong. You know, and what I, what I love is to read the black on the page. I was always told that, you know, because I always read between the lines. I am also the I know gal, let me just tell you. But the good news about that today is I have a saying that goes right behind the I know. What I know is going, and right then I, I hear the thought, it's going to kill you, Tina going to kill you what I think I know you know and so they outline they tell me exactly precisely the spiritual answer how to get to a power greater than myself they tell me all the particulars you know and what I and what I need to do and it gives me the program of action is take some action do some work you know and I don't always want to do this stuff and yet that's just being honest you know and I tell my sponsees that don't think for a minute that I'm always wanting to, to have your phone call because that's just the truth but that doesn't mean I don't take it you know because I was also told doesn't matter what you want to do Tina it matters what you do and that is but the truth and it has to be something different because what I did did not work for many many years you know and I love that it tells me it's entirely sensible but pretty drastic, you know. It meant that I would have to throw several, which most, what for me was most lifelong conceptions out the window. You know, and it wasn't easy. Nobody told me it was easy, but it was pretty simple. You know, and all I had to do was make up my mind to follow some directions, which means to go through with the process. You know, and I love the last part, which is such a promise. I had the curious feeling that my alcoholic condition was relieved as in fact it proved to be. You know, how cool is that? Because on my own, you know, doing what Tina wants to do and the way she wants to do it never got me any freedom, never got me any freedom. And, and today, you know, I love the promise in the book, big book, you know, I was placed in a position of neutrality. I was never there on my own, never. And today I can be. But doesn't mean I always have to be because it matters what I'm doing today for my recovery, not what I did yesterday, not what I got planned for the weekend, working, you know, going through the big book of so-and-so this, this coming Saturday. What am I doing today right here, right now, so that I am, am relieved from the compulsion to eat and the compulsion to do what Tina wants to do and, and to be of service, to be of maximum service? What can I do for the man who is still sick today? You know, when I, when I come with that one day at a time, then I can have some freedom. But that'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Tina. Okay, Nessa R., you're up, followed by Jen A. 
Thank you. Good morning. This is Mr. R. I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. And this line is one of my favorite in the whole book, um, throwing uh, lifelong conceptions out the window. You know, I've um, been discussing it a lot with my sponsees lately and doing some work on it myself. And the first thing I like about it is the imagery, throwing lifelong conceptions out the window. And, um, you know, I have a flag of my favorite hockey team affixed to one of the windows in my car. And it's happened many times that uh, whoever's sitting by that window opens the window and the flag just flies out. The first couple of times that that happened, my instinct was to stop the car and go back and get it. And it was so dangerous. I could have caused an accident, first of all somebody rear-ending me because of my sudden stop, but I could have gotten hit by a car trying to retrieve that flag. And so, of course, I gave up both times and I've never done it again. Um, I love the window now so nobody can open it. But, you know, when we, when we throw something out the window, it's irretrievably gone. Uh, I cannot get it again. You know, if I set something aside, you know, I can always put it back in front of me, but when I throw it out the window, it's gone for good. And this is what has to happen with these old ideas. And why does that have to happen? Because they keep me stuck. They keep me stuck in my own head. You know, and because the greater aspect of my disease centers in my mind, um, I cannot hang out there. It's a very dangerous for me, place for me to hang out. You know, for me, it's ideas like, like my life sucks because fill in the blank. My life sucks because I have no money. My life sucks because, you know, my husband does this. My life sucks because my children do that. My life sucks because I'm fat, you know, and that keeps me stuck in my victimhood and of pity. Uh, It allows me to abdicate responsibility for my own life. And therefore, it keeps me stuck from recovering. You know, when I go into the why's, that is a sure that is a sure recipe for uh, for stuckness. It doesn't matter why. It matters. It matters what. And that's what I need to replace the why. The why has to go out the window. My life sucks because has to go out the window. You know, if my child spills something, it's not why did you spill that. It's okay. What are we gonna do about it? Go get a paper towel. Let's clean it up. And this is what taking responsibility um, looks like. And this is what I need to do in this program. I need to take responsibility for my thoughts, my speech, my actions, and more importantly, my recovery. And uh, with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Nessa. Okay, Jen A, you're up, followed by Barbara P. Thanks, Katie. Good morning to you. This is Jen A, recovered compulsive overeater um, in Colorado. Um, In this paragraph, I'm reminded of all the conceptions that I had um, about Um, my disease, right? And um, when I came into the room, well, before I did, I thought somehow I'm different, right? I'm different from all the other people around me. And when I came into the rooms, I had to identify in, not identify out. I drank or ate like you ate. I felt like you felt. Um, I did all the crazy things with food and exercise pills and potions that other people did in this program. I was like, okay, I'm not different. And the other thing I thought was someday I'm going to be cured of this, right? Because um, everything else has a cure. Surely this does. And what you people told me is that I'm never cured. 
and it's telling me at the top, if I apply the spiritual treatment, the spiritual answer and the practical program of action, which you people did in the rooms, that somehow I was going to have what you had. I also thought that conditions would fix this, right? Um, if I got married, if I had a big house, if I had the perfect family, if I had the perfect job. Um, that is not the case. I had all those things, um, and I still was not happy. I still would not stop eating. I also thought that diets and doctors, pills and potions was going to do it for me. That didn't work either. I had to throw that out as well. And then I also thought that maybe just I could figure myself, I could figure my way out of this 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 pickle that I was in, right? Um, no, I know that's not the truth either. I had to come to this program. I had to be desperate, dying, doomed, and out of ideas. Done. That's what I had to be. And this paragraph here is great because it's the first um, part of a set-aside prayer in here, throwing several lifelong conceptions out the window. It's, it's, it's awesome, right? We say it all the time. We talk about the set-aside prayer. God help me set aside everything I think I know about what I've tried to do to, to save myself, to get free from the food, to not live like this any longer. Like I couldn't stop it from happening. And this spiritual answer, that's the miraculous. That's what happened to me as a result of doing this work. I followed the practical program of action. I prayed the prayers as they were in order in the book. And the promises started to come true for a girl like me. It's not that hard, people. We make such a big deal out of it. We make it so complex because we're complicated, compulsive overeaters. Throw it out the window, right? Somebody just said that. I threw wrappers out the window. Why not throw my ideas out the window? Because that front windshield of my car, it's wide. It's broad. It's roomy. And I'm going to hit the highway with all of you and get recovered, and I'm going to stay recovered today. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Jen A. Okay, Barbara P., you're up, followed by Noreen D. Good morning. This is Barbara P., Recovered Compulsive Overeater and um, from the Atlanta area. And I don't know why, but this is really, what's standing out to me today is, uh, is kind of this in present tense. You know, whether it's day one and I'm still wiping the crumbs off my mouth and looking at the stains on my T-shirt, my dirty T-shirt, you know, from, from what I've done. Um, or if, you know, I'm living in recovery, which I am today, which is just miraculous, but it doesn't really matter each day. I still, this last line, but the moment I made up my mind to go through with the process, it just, you know, it brings me back to it. It is a decision every day, you know, and my morning practice is the reminder. I still wake up an addict every morning, and it's been several years living in recovery. I mean, like I said, complete miracle that I live in recovery, that I'm not, there are no crumbs. There are, there are no stains on my T-shirts. They, my clothes still fit year after year. But, but, um, but, the big but is that, each morning, I still make up my mind to go through with the process. And yes, some days it's really satisfying and convenient and wonderful, and some days it's less convenient and I'm tired and don't feel like doing it. It doesn't matter. I go through with it. I always end up feeling good. And not even feeling good, I always feel like my alcoholic condition is relieved. Really relieved, like somebody said, no negotiation with the food, no fight, no, there's no fight going on. 
It's just relieved. But the but, again, is I have to make up my mind. And I have to do that on a daily basis. That doesn't change, you know. So uh, a lot has changed since I got into recovery. And, you know, I live in a normal body, I don't know, 90, 100 pounds later. I mean, that's miraculous. But I do make that decision every day. And I'm so grateful for the sanity to want to do that. Uh, I can still look in that rear view window and remember uh, I was talking with a sponsee this morning and the reminder of what it's like living in the food. It is not pretty back there. And uh, anyway, you know, I just make that decision every day and I'm grateful to spend my mornings with you all because you are part of helping me remember, oh, right, addict, make a decision, ah, relief. So anyway, that's my share for the day. Thanks, everybody. Have a great day. Thank you so much, Barb, Barbara P. And Noreen, you have a little over two minutes, please. Thank you. Thanks for your service and, and everybody's share. Um, yeah, the, the, but the moment I made up my mind to go through with the process, I had the curious feeling that my alcoholic condition was relieved, as in fact it proved to be. And um, that's, uh, I suppose, the promise of the program, and, and that's certainly come true for me. Um, just following the program, listening to my sponsor um, doing the steps and then changing as I, I say in 10, 11 and 12 that maintenance or growth steps uh, changing with life and life on life's terms and my program uh, changing in different ways uh, moving on with that because of course the illness is progressive but uh, my program changes and if I'm in the safety I believe if I'm in the safety of my 10, 11 and 12 and speaking with a sponsor and uh, the essential connection with my higher power every day, uh, it doesn't matter how much the illness progresses, it can't get around my program. So if I stay in that safety, then I don't have to live in fear of it, of it getting me or coming back. Um, and they were uh, drastic, but I think I was um, hurt enough when I came in to accept it. Um, I've been through enough, I've been through the ringer uh, a good few times. Uh, I was 42 when I came in and um, I'd felt enough pain and been through been through enough and uh, uh, it took a while to 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 pick up on and, and get everything and I, I didn't fully get a lot of it but I did the actions um, and I had great example great teaching great people speaking big books solution recovery around me at the meetings um, especially at the meetings um, big book recovery solution. This is what you do. Just the main focus was how can you help when somebody came in the door, the newcomer, um, and the direction was all around me. There was um, no lack of information or direction, what way to go, and I did it, and it worked. And the curious feeling that my alcohol condition has been relieved has, in fact, proved to be. And I'm so grateful. And I tried everything before this, and I'm just so grateful and. Uh, very grateful for, for vision as well and uh, hope to continue and uh, thanks a million on the pass. Thank you so much Noreen B and thank you to everyone who shared and helped to make this meeting possible today. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing and the share ID for today Monday March 8, 2021 7 a.m. meeting is 16,537. 
That's 16537. And we will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Marge O. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Thank you. Good day. This is Marge O. Recovered in Massachusetts. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Sorry. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit and you should surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.